Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time, except we finished it and now we're doing Bible stories that aren't actually in the Bible. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And let's get biblical. You got it. Um, first thing that you need to know when you're listening to this podcast is it's not a Christian Bible study podcast and you cannot let your children listen to it. Well, you can, but will we judge you? Yes. But uh, will God judge you? Yes, also. Um, I am the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I'm now an atheist. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. And we have a third person in the studio today, the first guest of season three. He's a comedian, writer, and former member of the Spice Girls, Ryan Houlihan. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. Um, as we ask all of our guests, I will ask you, what is your religious background? So when I was growing up, we weren't very religious. Mm -hmm. um, we uh, kind of floated around and did like Christmas. And like occasionally there would be answers of like, well, God did that. God did that. And it was like, okay. Um, and then 9-11 happened. And my dad was like, we have to get really religious because like if we pray more, there won't be any more 9-11s <laughs> was like what he was thinking. And then makes sense. Yeah, we got we got really into Catholicism. Um, and I had gone to a private Catholic school for two years growing up because we had lived in an area that my parents didn't really like the school system. Um, and then when we moved, I didn't. But I didn't really have a basis of understanding. So then when we got super into Catholicism, it was like a lot at once. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years into us going to this church in my neighborhood, um, the whole Catholic church scandally stuff came out. And our priest scandally was, stuff. was involved in that. Um, <laughs> scandal ish. Oh, no, the priest was involved in the scandally stuff? The scandally, you know, the doodly dudes. The uh, <laughs> the things that went down. Um, yeah, no, the our priest ate boys for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, apparently. And I had joined the um, altar boys like that year. And I was like a month in. Oh, my God. In. Oh, my God. So then when all that went down, we like stopped going to church. <laughs> um, but there's also the fact but that. Then you're just inviting 9-11s. <laughs> yeah, and there's going to be so many 9-11s. Um, no, he did. He, in reaction to 9-11, I don't know if it was um, a genuine religious like awakening for him or if he just felt like we have to get really conservative or buttoned up or engage with the community more. I really haven't talked to him in depth about it, um, but we did just end up going a lot. Um, and on my parent, on my mom's side, uh, they're Catholic as well, but there was always like a vague judaism rumor <laughs> like we were the elizabeth sure. warren of mm -hmm. jews um, oh <laughs> and so when i got older i took a world like religions class and i wasn't i, I currently identify as like a functional a atheist like in all ways i feel pretty atheist I, I think if we got like if we drill down into my religious views at the moment um i converted to judaism formally i became like a reformed jew when I was slightly older, even though I had sort of, I, I grew up on Long Island and all of my friends were Jews and we had this vague, we are Jewish thing floating around on my mom's side. And then I, when I did my formal conversion, I really did that because I really liked the, I was doing volunteer work with uh, a synagogue and I really, really liked the community there. And I really liked the, um, sort of philosophy and the like community and sense of tradition. But I, what I love about reform Judaism is that it is a set of like traditions and philosophy and stuff that isn't necessarily, you can divorce it. Like the whole point is that you can argue and you can um, back mm -hmm. up what you're saying. And I, that I was really, was very attracted to that. You could functionally say you do not believe you believe all of these stories are 
wonderful or horrible legends depending on the legend and like you can then still be part of the community nobody there's there's no value judgment attached to that in reform judaism um and so for me like i do i think like the world is infinitely more complicated and that eventually science will find out that this is all uh a virtual reality simulation or that like there is a uh it's all being run on a computer or that um there's thousands of multiverses and beings that are organized that exist outside of it. Sure, maybe. I don't know. Let's argue about it. I think there's a lot of stuff you could do. There's a lot of reasons to be ethical that aren't a, a, a point system like the good place. There's a mm-hmm. lot of like, and so great point system works super well. <laughs> yeah, no, that's working out great for Kristen <laughs> Bell. Um, but I think like at the moment, I I engage with Judaism in a way that I think is really healthy for me. And uh, that is how I identify. But and I love having big sort of metaphysical discussions that we'll never have evidence or answers for. Um, I think that's that's fun. But I do. I'm highly suspicious and skeptical of um, how that easily gets exploited. I wrote a piece uh, for the outline about Tyler Henry, the Hollywood medium, just talking about how you can easily exploit people at their most vulnerable through claims like that. So I consider myself like a skeptic and stuff. I consider myself a Jew, um, but I have such a basis in uh, Christianity and such a weird, I've had such a weird experience with it um, that I, I feel informed on the topic and I feel like I'm an informed skeptic on the topic. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Right. <laughs> and then when I was in the Spice Girls, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> They really frown upon religion. I mean, they said I should band. be a Scientologist, so. <laughs> no, that's true about the Spice Girls, though. <laughs> so, uh, our topic for today, since we have finished the Bible and we are moving on to things that seem like they should be in the Bible but aren't, uh, today we're talking about Lilith. And, uh, Ryan, we met you at a party where you said you stand Lilith. I stand Lilith. So, we're going to. Uh, get into what precisely you stand and whether Lilith is a problematic fave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we will decide by the end of the show whether or not she is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so before doing any research for this episode, my... You took two stiff drinks. <laughs> I mean, that's also true. But my general understanding of Lilith, which I think most people will share, most listeners will share, is like she was Adam's first wife before Eve and she was either evil or just too independent or disobedient and then she was replaced by eve i picture her doing a lot of like hair whips around the garden of yes. Eden, just being like i don't care <laughs> <laughs> um now i've done several researches mm-hmm. about lilith um and before i go any further i want to recommend this book tree of souls by howard schwartz this is my main um source for for today's episode really amazing resource huge book of jewish mythology um and it's got like the myth that it's talking about and then an explanation and then all the sources so there's stuff from the talmud there's stuff from midrashim rabbinical writings like stuff from kabbalah and he's gathered it all into this one really amazing book with explanation of it um so that's that's where most of my information comes from mm. so i went back to my favorite source the jewish encyclopedia of 1906 online unedited in its entirety amazing um so it's somewhat problematic in and of itself because obviously (laughs) it doesn't include anything discovered after 1906 and some of the some of the thought is a little old-fashioned however is meticulously cited um anyway that is one thing you can depend on jews for is meticulous citations and constant like uh corrections but do you want to talk about how lilith was lilith before 
the stories happened? Um, sure. Well, there's so there's one mention of Lilith in the canonical Bible, mm-hmm. um, and it's not a character per se. It's it's just it's mentioned in Isaiah. He's talking about a country being destroyed, and mm. he's describing the wasteland that it will become after it is destroyed. And it's going to be full of jackals, and it's going to be full of, you know, uh, bats, whatever. And it says, there Lilith shall repose. Um, in the NIV, it translates that as night creature. That's right. And the famous KJV translation is screech owl. Screech owl. Um, there's a lot of other owls in the passage. There's... <laughs> The owls were very scary, apparently. To, <laughs> Do you to want to Isaiah. hear some other some other translations that yes, were used? Um, night owl, night specter, night monster, vampires. Nice. The night hag, of course. <laughs> night jar. That's confusing. That's a bird. Is that's that true? Type of bird, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I like that. And night bird, of course. Um, and this plays on the etymology that I had always heard of Lilith. Which is, so the Hebrew word for night is Lila. Mm-hmm. And if you make it into a feminine adjective, it's Lilith, mm-hmm. which is anglicized as Lilith. However, apparently, that's not necessarily the etymology. That's not necessarily correct. Because it is likely that the Jewish character of Lilith was adapted from the Babylonian night demon Lilitu, who, I mean, Babylonian, that was probably a pretty similar language. It, it may come from the Babylonian word for night. I don't right. know. Actually, the language was called Akkadian. I'm sorry, Akkadian. But that's what they spoke in Babylon at the time of the exile in Babylon. And they had these spirits, these three spirits, Lili, Lili II, and like our son, Lili II. Okay. And they were like three versions of this same evil demon thing. And um, Isaiah is basically saying, well, whoever worships idols... I'll give you an idol to worship. It's a Babylonian night demon. And he didn't explain it in the text. Isaiah didn't. I say this as if Isaiah were, you know, had a byline on it. <laughs> and it's named after him, but whatever. Anyway, yeah. he doesn't explain it, meaning his audience probably knew who Lilith was at that point. Or at least right. well enough to know that they should be scared of Lilith. So there's one big famous story mm-hmm. about Lilith, which is I think the one that most of the like... If you ask just the average Joe on the street about mm-hmm. Lilith, there's like this one big famous story. Um, first, there are a couple versions of the creation story that are uh, from outside the Bible, which makes sense to me because if one myth is going to vary by like culture, like the creation myth seems like. Because it's universal. Everybody yeah, has an idea about where the world to, comes yeah. from, right? So there's a couple where there's like a first Eve and a second Eve, but the first one isn't Lilith. There's one, my favorite that I read about was the first Eve, God created her in front of Adam and like, so like created a skeleton and then put muscles on it and then put skin on it. And Adam was grossed out yeah, and God, wouldn't marry her. Trigger warning, God, <laughs> that is. So interestingly, there are two versions of the creation story in Genesis, of course. Well, that's true. Yeah. Slightly different. Yeah. Very slightly different. But those slight differences are what basically create the space for this kind of talk about there being a first eve because in the first version man and woman are created from dirt at the same time and in the second version man is created then the animals then the plants and then once god sees that there is no proper servant for man on earth he, he takes out the rib puts adam to sleep takes the rib out and makes eve and you know f- that's one of the only creation stories in the entire world where a man comes first 
Is that true? Yeah. I mean, usually well, that the makes woman very comes sense, first right? and yeah. has to give birth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Later on, rabbis in the Second Temple period and after uh, looked at those two stories and tried to reconcile them somehow. Right. Especially because in the second version of the story, you could interpret the language to say that Adam is saying, "This time, you have created me a a, a help meet, a, a help meet," <laughs> indicating that there was a first time. So then they were like, okay, there must have been a first woman that wasn't satisfactory in, in some way. So let's conjecture about that. Right. And into that into that space creeps a folktale. <laughs> yes. And so the— Into that space creeps a demon. The big, a night demon. The big uh, famous version is from this midrash from like— Medieval times. Yeah, I think calling it a midrash is even a little bit much. It's controversial. Mm-hmm. Some sort of strange writing mm-hmm. by a rabbi from medieval times, and it's called the Alphabet of Ben Sira. Um, and we read slightly different translations of this. Uh, do you want to do you want to run it down for us, Nico? You got it. So there's a thing called the Alphabet of Ben Sira or Ben Sirach. Um, okay. It's it's structured like a midrash in that. There are two... Midrash in general is like rabbinical commentary. Yeah. Religious writing, sort of. Like, like, like scrawling on the side of the book. Often uh, scrawling yeah. on the side <laughs> of the Like books. very literally often. Yeah. yeah. In this one, there are 22 Aramaic proverbs and then uh, a discussion of each one. Scholarly research of the current day indicates that many of these are not actually Aramaic proverbs. Um, what? This guy was just making them up? Some of them, some of them are Arabic proverbs, for example. Whoa! Um, or uh, like a bunch of them don't have any reference in 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 Talmud, and this is probably around eight hundred to one thousand CE. But wow! Then, politically correct. Thank you. PC gone mad, yes. calling it CE. I am a PC. In this house, we call it thug. Anno Domini. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, but then there's the second half, which is much more famous. The first half is like pretty straightforward, and in fact, is is well thought of almost in in, in some circles for its its wit and the way it. Uh, That's what I aspire to be. Well thought of almost in some circles. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know it's a thousand years old. Um, the second half is the famous half. So in this one, there are twenty two Hebrew proverbs. Okay. And 22 because that's the number of letters in the Hebrew language. Hebrew alphabet, yeah. There we go. Language <laughs> is a part of an alphabet. And please don't ask me any questions. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be taking questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to my TED Talk. Yeah. <laughs> in the second half, um, like I said, there, there are 22 proverbs. But it's mostly an excuse to tell this fantastical story about a character named Ben Sirah. Ben Sirah is the son of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. He's actually the incestuous son of Jeremiah with his daughter. Oh, huh. that's not in the Bible. <laughs> not in the Bible. That was not in the book of Jeremiah. We read Jeremiah. There was uh, loincloths being buried in the riverbanks. Mm-hmm. There was no incest. <laughs> Unf- yeah, I mean, this part didn't make it in. And the whole thing is saucy AF. It's full of, let's f- face it, lewd language. Wow. Adult situations. Whoa. And mildly blasphemous stuff. What is this, HBO? (laughs) I wish. I wish. I know it's not TV, so I can see how you're confused. But it's also not HBO. It's in the third category of things that is neither TV nor HBO. No interest. I agree. (laughs) But so basically, 
this Ben Sira fellow is ascribed a lot of magical characteristics. Um, he's called, in fact, Jesus Ben Sira in the in the text. Oh, um, and a lot of the stuff recycles some of the apocrypha that we actually read on the New Testament, mm -hmm. like magical stories about Jesus when he was young. For mm -hmm. example, in the story, Ben Sira comes out of the womb with hair and teeth and is already a learned rabbi and disputes, cool. <laughs> disputes the, the, the teachings that are being told to him in the crib. And he's so wise as such a young child and so amazing that Nebuchadnezzar II calls for this wise baby to come before him and give him advice. How many people does he kill with his mind powers is the question. <laughs> That's yeah. a really good question because okay. Jesus definitely killed people with his mind powers. I'm picturing Jack-Jack <laughs> from The Incredibles and then someone being like, get me that wise baby. Yeah, except a rabbi. Jack-Jack <laughs> yeah, as a also, rabbi. Also a rabbi. <laughs> anyway, this is all an excuse to have Ben Sira tell a bunch of like basically animal fables or f folk tales. Fun, colorful, snappy folk tales. Right, that are all structured around these proverbs sort of not really though um and there's some real goofy ones there are some that are stolen from indian texts like from india whoa um that are there's one about like a lion and a, tur a turtle a tortoise that's stolen directly from an indian text hmm. um there are some that repurpose like early christian myths like about jesus basically um and then then there's lilith there's lilith our, our story with Lilith starts off in the Garden of Eden. God creates Adam and Lilith both from Earth. Mm -hmm. Important detail. It is. Um, so it's like the first story in Genesis. That's right. Creation. Um, immediately, they start fighting about who's going to be on top during sex. <laughs> Hi, it's nice to meet you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is this Grinder? I know, right? Who has that conversation the first thing? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can I mean, if it was the only other person in the world, I wouldn't have. That's not how I would start a conversation. But if it's like a weird Thursday, <laughs> Adam thinks he should be on top because he's dominant, mm -hmm. and Lilith thinks she should be on top because they're equal. They were both made from Earth, and they're both equal. Um, and here's the quote from my translation by Howard Schwartz. When Lilith saw that they would never agree, she uttered God's name and flew into the air. <laughs> because speaking the Tetragrammaton gives you magic powers. Yes. And so she she fucks off to a cave by the Red Sea. Or she... flying above the Red Sea, depending on how you want to read it. Okay. Okay. Uh, and God sends three angels to go retrieve her. And they're named Sinoi, Sansanoi, and Simangalov. Mm -hmm. Classic angel names Weird right there. Weird angel names. Um, and they tell her, you know, you have to go back and be with your husband or we'll like drown you or uh, we'll kill 100 of your demon children every day. Apparently she had begun having hundreds of demon children every day in well, listen if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna fly off into the sky above the Red Sea might as well start having demon children. Confusingly that part has Talmudic precedent. Because in the Talmud, one of the only times it mentions Lilith is that basically between the birth of Seth and the birth of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel go first. Seth is after. Right. Thank you. 
This is why she's here. <laughs> she's a fucking pro. Okay. Anyway, they don't have they don't have a, a catchy Brady Bunch song into so you that would be helpful. The place you know what? I bet there's a bunch of Sunday schools. That <laughs> yeah, do no, there have are. They're probably. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there was 130 years between those two, but during that time in the Talmud, in one interpretation of it, Adam was alone. Adam was he awake. like left Eve? Yeah, because of her sinfulness. Right, and so the he was he thing. was sleeping alone, meaning he was having. Let's face it. Demonic sex. Nocturnal emissions. Okay. And his wet dreams, apparently in the Talmud, wet dreams give birth to demons. Yes. We'll get into this more later. Okay. I didn't know we were going to, but. Yeah. Oh, I have a lot of notes about this. (laughs) (laughs) But so there is a thing in the Talmud where like uh, Adam is separated from Eve because of his like grief. Mm -hmm. And then Lilith kind of seduces him and has a hundred demon children per night or whatever. Or more than that. Anyway, so that feeds back into this alphabet version. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, she's she's in her cave. These angels are threatening her, and she says, "I won't leave. I'm staying here." And furthermore, for some reason, I declare that I have the power to kill newborn infants. That's right. Uh, That's her negotiating position. Boys, <laughs> boys before the eighth day, and girls before the twentieth day. Right, which is biblical, but. If I ever see the names of angels, you you three angels, on an amulet, then I won't have the power to kill that infant. And so that's, for some reason, the deal they strike. Um, she gets to strangle infants and not go back to Adam. They get to kill 100 of her demon children every day and... Uh, their names on an amulet. Well, you know what it's really about? It's about powerful. those it's about those zids, baby, about the residuals on the <laughs> amulets. You think they're not in, those angels aren't getting some of the back end? This is pay to play, okay? So, apparently there's a there's a Jewish tradition of like putting an amulet over your child's crib or um in, like carving stuff into the child's like bedpost in and uh, the other big one is bowls bowls yeah, protective bowls. bowls so in in mesopotamia in like 400 to 600 ce they found uh, one of these bowls in, this is in the period of the sassanid empire just to be clear whoa um sounds sassy it's extremely sassy <laughs> um they found these protective bowls buried in the floor of like every jewish house Buried uh, upside down to capture the demons. And one of the most commonly protected against demons was Lilith. Yes. And it, so there's like, you have to write it in the correct. There's like a spell you have to write. The short version is just like Lilith Abi, which is just go away Lilith or whatever. And she's like, I was going to come kill these babies, but you got this bowl. So. Yeah. This All bowl. Right. I'm not into it. <laughs> and then the angel's name's. Just. She's like, I know them. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. We made this nonsensical <laughs> deal. I have the, I have the prayer here from, from a famous example of these one of these bowls that oh, is okay. very, this very well preserved. It also has a hilarious illustration of what the the bowl maker's idea of Lilith looks like, which is a very goofy like cartoon owl. Oh. <laughs> it's, like, it's pretty cute. Like those branded cereal bowls from the 90s that have like cartoon characters on it. Totally. It like... <laughs> except except around the edge it has written. <laughs> There's a spell to, you know, repel demons. It doesn't demons. say snap, crackle, pop. It says... <laughs> it says, thou Lilith's male lily and female Lilith, hag and ghoul, I adjure you by the strong one of Abraham, by the rock of Isaac, by the Shaddai of Jacob, by Yah Hashem, by Yah his memorial to turn away from this Rashnoi ben something and Geyanoi ben something her husband 
Here is your divorce and writ and letter of separation sent through holy angels. Amen, amen, Selah, hallelujah. Nice. I like they threw in. coming here tonight. They threw in all the, like every holy word they could every think of. Every magic word that <laughs> they knew. Hallelujah, whatever. You got to put them on the put them on the bowl. Well, listen. If I've had uh, the times I've had pests in my house, you just buy whatever's on the shelf and you dump it everywhere. <laughs> I right. get it. And maybe you wouldn't if, if you know. Like, unfortunately, in New York. Very few landlords are okay with you burying magical protective bowls I in the know. floor. It's like you got to do the little filter when you go to um, Zillow or whatever. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I need a magical like, bowl. Pets, pets okay, bowls okay. Demonic <laughs> yeah. protection allowed. Yeah. You're like, whoo, phew. What's um, rent control like? But so the weird, what stands out to me is that these angels don't sound like they don't have regular angel names. Normally angels have a name like Raphael. Gabrielle, like they're they all end in L, which means like of God. Um, and then these dudes are Sanoi, Sansanoi, and Samangaloth. It doesn't even sound like it's in Hebrew. Mm-mm. And I wonder if if Lilith was imported from Babylonian mythology, mm-hmm. I wonder if these dudes are imported from there too. They could have been imported from anywhere, honestly. They could be like, you know, transplants from local Spanish mythology. We don't really know where right. the second half of the alphabet was written. And so it seems kind of like maybe maybe there's this folk ritual about the amulets. Mm-hmm. And or, bowls. Yeah, and bowls. And, and it also, you can tie a red string. Mm-hmm. That's It becomes that. But um, that seems like a pretty important ritual if you live in a time when you don't know about science mm-hmm. and like protecting a newborn baby. like Top priority. You're yeah, just top priority. Throw all the hallelujahs you have. <laughs> right. And I wonder if... Just pack that shit full of amulets. If yeah. they kind of... Like had that tradition and needed to somehow connect it to the Bible in order to justify the tradition. I think that's very close to the truth. And Even in fact, though it may come uh, from Babylon, I wouldn't be surprised whatever. if the author himself was a a maker of fine amulets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What What also strikes me is that so I've read several Lilith folk tales now, mm-hmm. and most of them have nothing to do with Adam. Mm. So it, it seems like maybe. They kind of duct tape this together in order to. Well, that's the thing is that there's this like this vacuum is created for a first wife because of a, a difference in in the way of the way a story was told twice, and then th- you think of okay, well there was somebody. Then you've got these little stories, and you know she goes back real far too, and then you just through conversation start smushing those things together, and I, it really feels like I mean you even have the thing with Lilith being three forms of the same like woman, mm-hmm. which is a recurring theme with like uh witches hags demons like sure, it's always changing three shape ladies. and stuff yeah. yeah and i think probably you have this lady night demon and you keep she's being talked about all the time and you have this like horrible you know slut that wanted to be on top and then you, <laughs> Gross. you yeah and then you just kind of like push those together and then you're like oh that you know that that lilith that like and it just becomes this like figure and then once you have that it's easy to start attaching other things to it so you've got this amulet for babies you're like well gets rid of baby eating lilith and like these amulets you know they're not mentioned in the torah but if we retcon this like myth into it then yeah this we have a great proof that this amulet works according to the torah according to god let's keep doing it right We have so much more weird stuff to talk about, but we're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear some music, and we'll be back in a couple minutes with more Lilith, more Ryan, more Lauren, and a little bit more me, too. (laughs) See you in a second. Bye. Okay, bye. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Nico. I'm Lauren. And we're here with Ryan. Hello. Hello. <laughs> question mark, question mark. <laughs> and we're talking about Lilith. I have a bunch of Lilith stories. Can I throw them at you both and get your reaction? Oh, yeah. Hard and fast. We'll try. Um, okay. So in the Zohar, which is like the main text of Kabbalah, mm-hmm. a.k.a. like esoteric mystical Judaism. From about the 13th century, probably written in Spain. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who could say? Yeah, that I've Adam, heard that of Adam the Sandler movie. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in Kabbalah, Lilith is basically a succubus. Mm. Uh, she roams around at night and seduces men while they're sleeping. And Same. so if you, <laughs> if you ever have a wet dream, that's Lilith. Hmm. And she then gives birth to these half-human, half-demons who are doomed to be outcasts because humans won't like them because they're half demon, but demons won't like them because they're half human. Right. That's like angel or something. Yeah. I was going to say this is very charmed. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's like a hard, it's like an immigrant story or like, you know, like bi-cultural. Or like Blade. Like Blade, guys. Um, In one story, not in the Zohar, she poses as like a like parishioner who's seeking counsel from a rabbi. Mm. And she's like, sounds like a rabbi's kink right there. Please come over to my house. And And this wasn't the baby rabbi. This (laughs) no, but the story does take pains to say that he was very young. Oh, maybe this is the baby rabbi. And when he gets there to help her with her spiritual afflictions Mm -hmm. she drops her robe and she's like let's fucking do it right now this is the original i have a problem with my plumbing (laughs) yes yes, exactly (laughs) and he's like i have a spiritual affliction rabbi (laughs) (laughs) we all know what that means (laughs) wink wink and it says that he like wrestled with his temptation like jacob wrestling with god (laughs) that sounds hot yeah but of course he he triumphs he resists the temptation and he says no, we will not fucking do it right now. Mm-hmm. And then the house disappears, and then there's just glowworms at his feet, which I guess Lilith has returned to her glowworm form or something. <laughs> Naturally. Good to know. That was all an illusion just to seduce him into sin. There was also Howard Schwartz, the author, uh, noted that, like, so the, the Torah says, like, not to sleep with another man's wife, mm-hmm. but it doesn't actually say anything about sleeping with an unmarried woman. Mm-hmm. So it's like a minor sin. Right. Although so, in 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 the Zohar, Lilith is married to Asmodeus, the king of the demons. Yes. That's and a- one of the reasons that she got, like, canned the first time for, from uh, her position as Adam's wife is for sleeping with Samael. The hit the fallen angel. That is another. There's a whole cluster of stories where she's she has nothing to do with Adam, and she's just in hell. She's a demon. Um, she's usually depicted as human from the waist up, a beautiful woman from the waist up, but flame from the waist down. Dope. And she's like married to uh, Samael, or she's married to uh, what did you call him? Asmodel. Asmodeus. Asmodeus. Ashmedai is the Hebrew version, mm. and. They're always fighting over her, and sometimes one of them is married to her daughter, and they're all fighting over each other, and blah, blah, blah. There's, like, several variations on that. See, there was skepticism earlier that you could stand Lilith, but this is a fire mermaid who who dates multiple demon kings, like the real housewives of hell. A poly fire mermaid. (laughs) And I can't see how you don't stand that. The other thing, in addition to wet dreams, of course, is that when you masturbate as a man and you spill your seed, which we know is forbidden— 
due to the story of Onan. Yeah, the sin of Onan. In Genesis. She will take the results of your masturbation and she only needs a drop. And then she will uh, impregnate herself and have demon children and she'll become your secret wife. Wow. Oh. Um, And... She needs a hobby. <laughs> right. Maybe this is her hobby. She, <laughs> listen, I'm not shaming anybody. I'm saying work through this with a therapist. So then, you know, it's like just ask, there's, you know, like specific folktales about, you know, ask, ask poor Menachem. What happened to him is he was masturbating every day and it became this huge problem for him. Oh, and Menachem. One time he left like the Seder dinner to go masturbate in the basement. Look. And uh. because of that, Lilith was a secret wife and they had like a million demon children. And when he died, his demon children were all swarming around his bed asking for their inheritance, but <laughs> no one else could see them. Of and, course. <laughs> and then like the rabbis are like, oh, yes, this house is very haunted by demons. And then uh, they- Not a bowl in sight. Can you believe it? <laughs> they have a- uh, Menachem the fool, they call them. A construction worker goes to like uh, break open the basement so that the rabbis can access it, and he dies because all the demons kill him. Fuck. So, thanks to the the fucking jacking off basement, you know, what? a man <laughs> lost know, his life. Know, I would, have, I would <laughs> say if it's a choice, <laughs> kind of worth it. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like all of the consequences were inherited by people he yeah. didn't know or care about. Yeah, Menachem didn't care. Yeah. Um. And so then apparently there was a tradition in, in the 1600s in some Jewish communities where when a man died, his sons would have to, like, part of the funeral is, like, the sons take an indirect route to the cemetery so that the uh, presumptive demon sons don't don't know the way. <laughs> and then when you get there, the sons have to, like, say, they have to recite Psalm 91 and they have to dance around their father's body seven times so that the demon sons won't ask for their inheritance, which I feel like is just, I hate that. I hate your dad's funeral. You're like a main thing of your dad's funeral is like, well, he probably jacked off at some yeah. point. <laughs> I like that all of death is now like, well, how long was he alive? We got to see twice a day. <laughs> Rabbi, Dad was a real, real How many bird. times should I dance? How many times did my father spill his seed? <laughs> Guy's not even cold yet. <laughs> So, yeah, that was thanks, Lilith, for that tradition, that God. fun tradition. I thought debating a will nowadays was difficult. <laughs> know, this right? is like. And to my demon children, I leave. <laughs> All my rags. Um, oh, God. oh, nice. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. This is not a podcast. For <laughs> there's there's also a story uh, where this one's interesting because it's it's like um, Lilith roams around. uh trying to smell uh, mother's milk and then she knows there's a newborn that she can go strangle mm. which is her second thing after <laughs> after watching dudes jack off <laughs> she's secondarily into strangling babies this is like an episode of snap <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's one story where she goes to to get this newborn but the midwife traps her in a jar not a bowl. Um, no, it's in a jar after she, because Lilith uh, takes the form of a long black hair that falls in the in the mother's milk, uh-huh. and the midwife picks up the hair. She knows what's up and puts it in a jar. So normally, then... I would leave this hair, but I know this time. <laughs> and then she's like, she has the jar, so she's trapped Lilith, and she's like, "I'll only let you out 
if you, you know, promise not to harm this household and in fact protect us from other evil demons for three years. I don't know why three years. It seems like no, that it seems just like seems fair. Got... I mean, it seems like a good. That's just like the uh, listen. Sounds intuitive... like, it sounded like she had her by the balls. Like if if I was going to be, hard. I would have been like, yeah. I want eight centuries of protection, That's and good. also, um, yeah, also uh, no demon children. I don't want it. I don't want a single demon That's child. Right. Yeah, but so that's um, it's interesting that when a man confronts Lilith, it's like <laughs> <laughs> your life is ruined. People are gonna die. Like she's definitely gonna have seven million demon children with you. And then when a woman confronts Lilith, it's just like it's like bam. girl talk. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> gotcha. Let's deal with this. Done. Come here, Lilith. Let me collect you. <laughs> um, let's see. What else do I have here? So her main thing is like, A, seducing men and mm-hmm. B, killing babies. Right. Which I think is very Freudian. Like, yeah. Absolutely. The fact that they would conjure a demon that did these very specific things is so indicative of a, like a... A cultural problem with women. Yeah, yeah, like like if you'd pitched this in the Buffy's writers' room, they would have been like a little on the nose. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so that's the thing. Like when you look at modern portrayals of Lilith, right? There's like the Lilith Fair and whatever. Plenty of like Sabrina the Teenage Witch type of depictions. There's an Israeli feminist magazine magazine named Lilith. Oh, I mm. like that. The thing is, like before doing this research, my question was kind of like, is that stuff just like kind of corny and appropriative and does this does Lilith occupy actually a totally different like space in Jewish mythology? But really, she doesn't. No, That's <laughs> not not a bit. You know, it's like that actually is very appropriate use of Lilith. She yeah, nobody's yogaing Lilith, right. right? She you know, it's like when you when you have a character that seduces men and kills babies that's indicative of like a very specific type of misogyny Mm -hmm. that is you're like oh wait don't worry she was a first wife and we know how they are (laughs) right Right. yeah yeah like that that type of misogyny is still bizarrely prevalent you know like and you still have conservative you know christian pastors in america who are like oh feminists are all about you know having sex and killing babies right you know like those like actual Two things that, that is Lilith an actual did. demon, right? There. I mean, yeah. the whole like uh, the, she's a tempta- she's a temptress woman who will ruin you if you can't control yourself around her. It's like so embedded into the rape culture discussions today. Totally. Just like, well, look, she dressed like that. Now it's ruined your life, and all the consequences are you. And she, she was she just like she shouldn't have been out there at the middle of the night. It was while all you were her drunk. fault. It's yeah. crazy that you like that you had to rape her, right? Yeah, because of the circumstances that she created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's like, and it's ruined this man who like who in a moment couldn't control them. it's 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 just a it, it is a very very ugly uh portrait to paint of one of the only really like large depictions of female demons or like female evil yeah and it's it's funny that this demon has been around for 2500 years and like and the like we haven't made any progress <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not at all not a bit the underlying issue is still there that created the demon in the first place and then i mean her role as adam's first wife actually seems kind of minor mm-hmm. in mythology but that only adds to, you know, like she wanted to be equal. She said we were equal. <laughs> Adam couldn't deal with that. He wanted to be dominant. So she fucked off and then he got a, a nice help meet yeah. that would, you know, serve him. There's some theories that the version of the Lilla story in um, the alphabet, and in fact, most of that second half of the alphabet is satirical. Right. That is actually just poking fun at the Bible and that like. It's really kind of a joke on rabbis. Wow, who would ever poke fun at the Bible? <laughs> How disrespectful. <laughs> wow. Ugh, 
can't imagine. But that is actually poking fun at rabbis who are talking about, oh, there's these two versions of Genesis, but you can you can square them this way, and that making up this story where Adam is like kind of a wuss, yeah. <laughs> I guess in 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 the opinion of the author, that like his wife he can't even control his wife or whatever something along those lines, which is you know there's layers here. Wow. Or specifically that God makes a deal with Lilith, like you said, like. That seems very odd, right? That's not the Old Testament God that would, yeah, that would like let it go and be like, okay, well, as long as we make a deal, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're okay. Yeah. Like, Eve took God a bite of an apple, and he was like, "We're done here." And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lilith is birthing armies of demon children, refusing to come back and claiming superpowers for his own, and he's like, in his name, listen, why, she gained her superpowers by saying his name, yeah. And then he was like, let's get to the negotiating table. I was like, okay, I just want this problem to go away. (laughs) Help me help you, Lilith. So that it's kind of it's it's kind of a blasphemous idea in the original text. And I I wonder it's so funny because so many later interpretations of Lilith are like based on that story, which was in its in in and of itself a satire, which means the story probably resonates more with people than the author might have (laughs) expected. Yeah. And satire is very tricky that way. That's true. It can really get away from you. I mean, it's it's it centers Adam as the main character where it's like, so you're saying they were equal. They were created to be equal. Everything was equal. Why are his actions, which are cowardly, was like, and, and honestly entitled to be like, well, I wanted her to listen to me. Well, then they weren't equal because if, if you immediately are siding with one of your creations over the other one, it means that he was the default. And so the perpetuation of this story is like, even if you took it as satire, it's like, well, obviously he's the default. And and it's sort of funny to me that there is literally no defense of like, like, okay, well, uh, he was unable to fulfill her. So she needs a new husband. There, there was never yeah. even like an option that they would make Adam too. That's true because... Steve. <laughs> <laughs> in, in all these uh, myths where she seduces men, that like... It it doesn't seem to be related to like oh well Adam wasn't a good husband therefore right. I need a new husband mm-hmm. yeah um it's just it's like there's something wrong with her and she needs to she's devour just, men yeah just well there's it's a, it's, a woman being sexual is just evil obviously on it, its face is it not like the classic Madonna horror thing where you have Eve and, yeah, and Lilith it as is, the two totally. wives of Adam totally a hundred percent not to get will... not to get too twentieth century feminism on everybody <laughs> we're in the twenty first century now I know but we're that... like fourth wave now fair enough. No, listen, th- thanks to Twitter, we're on like 58 We're like 50, waves. 52nd wave. <laughs> and it's really embarrassing. Waves are really problematic. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Waves are canceled. That's true. So um, that's that's what I have. Do you have Do you have more stuff? Well, actually, I, I wanted to mention uh, the reason that I've always really liked Lilith as a character is not just because of the feminist, I don't even want to call them undertones, the feminist overtones. Yes. Tones. Um, <laughs> yeah, the feminist tones. Um. And it wasn't even that I connected like Lilith Fair and Lilith. Like that, I, I was a child's when that was happening, and like that wasn't where my point of origin was. It was the stories about Lilith are always in pop culture are always like either she's a vampire, like on True Blood, she's an, a witch demon, like on Sabrina. She's, it, it, you keep having these pl- points of entry for that. And as a kid, especially as a queer kid, you identify so much heavier with the Disney villains than you do. The Disney villains are extremely queer. They're extremely queer. Like Jafar, Ursula is divine, who is the background of my phone. And I loved. Oh, nice. (laughs) Um, I loved Ursula growing up. And, and I, I think you identify with them because they're misfits and it makes you think 
outside of like in the majority of those stories those villains are actual villains who do horrible things but it's the impetus and the character they're stronger characters because they have stronger motivations they're 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 driven by tangible things they have results they want to get whereas princesses generally always have that like vague happiness and everything will be peaceful um and princesses make make decisions reactively and villains are driven by like an inner conflict yeah to change the world right there there would be no story if ursula wasn't like well i'm gonna trick you right (laughs) so you have these characters like the like the white witch in chronicles of narnia where you end up in your mind especially as a queer kid a little bit arguing for them and then like and because you identify with them trying to square that Mm. um and that's so interesting because like being raised extremely Christian, like I read the Chronicles of Narnia and I was like, the white witch is evil. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, praise Aslan, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just remember thinking like, well, someone's got to be in charge. <laughs> and I've got all these superpowers. And I mean, like, yes, it's very cold. But in general, things weren't so bad. I mean, the worst thing that happens, you got turned to stone. Like, I, I I, know that now as an adult, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. But I remember being like, well, no one would be Ursula's friend. And like, this girl was entitled and came and wanted to get her magical powers. It's like, well, she charged you a cost. That's a business. <laughs> like, I felt, I don't know. And I think it's not rational and I can't defend it as as much as I can say, like, as a child, if you don't see yourself represented as a hero, you only see yourself represented as a villain and you don't want to be a bad person, you end up squaring it. And the story of Lilith to me was the same thing where it was like, I believe in equality and I believe she should have the right to have this uh, life choice or perspective or control or power in general. And so you end and up... And to strangle babies. And then you so you end up being like, well... Some babies look pretty strangled. <laughs> I mean, look, if you're having a thousand demon babies a day, what's a hundred? Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's just that's tithing. I mean, right? you're paying another, your hundred to God. That's another 10 minutes. And like, we could, we always have 10 minutes. You can squeeze it in. Um, and so those characters always really resonated with me. It was like women who didn't obey rules, who wanted power, who wanted equality. Uh, people who, especially femmes that didn't fit in to traditional hero archetypes or villain archetypes that weren't like big gray monsters of evil. Like the, the devil... Uh, the way that that gets portrayed, the most interesting portrayal of the devil is it's a femme trickster. The least interesting is like, I have horns or whatever, <laughs> and like displays of fire. That's not interesting. And so I always found her very fascinating. And um, for example, there was a Britney Spears concept album that ended up- For example. Up... <laughs> uh, in my day-to-day life, that's just a reference that comes up. Um it, it, it is a wait, there's okay, a, wait, wait. There's a Britney Spears concept album. There's a Britney Spears concept album that she wanted to put together called that she was going to call Lilith, and that it was the lead song. There's a demo um, called "Sorry Adam," and it's about this woman. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she eats this apple and decides she's going to leave eating because she doesn't give a shit and she doesn't care for this dude. And she's okay. like, "Sorry, but I ate this and like I like having sex." And this whole album was going to be built around this, and eventually her label stepped in, and this was like during that tumultuous time in her life that we. We all saw 2007, post-2007, and they ended up calling the album Femme Fatale, but a lot of the themes are still really there. And when you think about it, you think about a figure of, like, Britney Spears, again, the Madonna whore thing is mm-hmm. huge for the Britney Spears, like, iconography, uh, the slave for you with the snake in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It's a heavy theme for her, especially as a young woman who was seen as the pinnacle of beauty and talent and stuff. And, and that and- was, it, her in particular, like, 
a lot of the marketing around her was like, she's a virgin. She's a virgin. <laughs> she is completely nude and but covered she, in diamonds, but she's, she's untouched. A virgin. So she's like very sexual, but I mean, her she has, it, it, has, like it has immense voice. power, you also know, very pure. Yeah. Like and she was supposed then, to have every form of power. She and, had the virginity power and the sex power and the young power, but she seems older than her age power. And we did something that ancient societies did or supposedly did, which is sacrifice a virgin because that's the most powerful thing you mm. can do. And we sacrificed her on the altar of fame. Yeah. Wow. We skewered this Deep. person and and we and we we don't asked... make fun of me, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think that this. The, no, I, it's true. <laughs> it, it is. It is overt. And I do think it, it, it is sort of obvious. But what it gets to me is that. It affected me so much, even though it was obvious, because I was young. Mm. And so I look at these stories of Lilith, and I and I'm like, wow, it's kind of deep, <laughs> a little deep. That like Britney Spears was like, I'm like this biblical I feel figure. This way, yeah. And and it, I, I think like, especially when I was younger, like if I was to do a concept album, it probably would have been called like you know Hades, because <laughs> <laughs> he was sassy and he was like, I don't want them to get together. Like, and I get that feeling, and I think I've always found her. Uh, in the Bible to be a, or not necessarily in the Bible, but in the religious canon to be in a unique figure. Um, and the fact that she is even left out of the official version of events is even more me That's being true, like, isn't it? Like, like, it's sort of like queer people in history. They just were like, you know, Abraham Lincoln had a crazy wife and they didn't sleep together. Like they don't, the queerness of those stories and the evidence of that never gets put down in history. Even though everybody's burying a bowl in their foundation. Like everyone knows about it, but we're going to like. Nobody talks about going to their bowl guy. (laughs) Like every historian knew that Richard the Lionhearted was sleeping with half of the army, but nobody's going to write it down in their book. And if you don't write it down, then it's not history and it's not a source you can cite, even though it's based on basically the same amount of evidence. And you, and, and someone being written out of that because they, they felt all of those feminist equality feelings. I don't know. Like it, it just, it hits me in a deep way. Hmm. So I, I guess long story short, too late, Stan Lilith. <laughs> I was afraid that Lilith was going to be super corny, but after doing my research, I also Stan Lilith. Hmm. And that's the tea. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to wrap it up shortly, but I have one thing to bring to the table What's here. That? Okay. This goes back to the Jewish encyclopedia. As all things do. It's on the internet. And what do you do on the internet when you have a website or page? Mm -hmm. You allow comments. Whoa. Oh, no. You have comments? There are comments on all... On the Jewish Encyclopedia? On the Jewish Encyclopedia, 1906, unedited text. Holy shit. brags on the header of every page. On a scale of like... Dude, these are some of the fucking craziest internet comments <laughs> I've ever read. On a scale of AV Club say, to Salon. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say on a scale from like my grandmother posting recipes and then people asking follow-up questions to 4chan, where are we landing? <laughs> on a scale of like local newspaper to... <laughs> okay. Um, these, are cr- these are crazy, okay? Uh, I'm ready. I'm going to read a couple. Oh my God. These are from... These first two are from the Lilith page. Uh, this is... And the... Most fucked up thing, in my opinion, as a veteran internet user, mm-hmm. a proud veteran of the internet. <laughs> Stolen Fowler, but keep <laughs> Excuse going. Excuse me. <laughs> I, w- I saw things. Okay? Uh, I remember Napster. <laughs> these are all Facebook-enabled comments, which means real names, oh, people. No! Real names. This user uh, wrote on the Lilith one, strange but true. Demons are real, and if you have sex with a wit or warlock unknowingly, you will be attacked by these sex demons because witches and warlock does atral projection. That's 
that checks out. You know what? I'm glad that someone finally said something. <laughs> uh, a user named Carol also said, I just recently read After Lilith after naming a baby goat after the Lilith of Fraser fame. Do you suppose that Fraser's domineering wife could have taken that name for a reason? Was, f- wait, f- Fraser being Fraser? Fraser. I, so I don't. It's spelled su- wrong. I don't super remember Fraser. He He had a wife named Lilith. He had an ex-wife named Lilith who was had strong opinions. Oh. And if you look at the Wikipedia page for Lilith under pop culture, she and a few other people are listed. And then in parentheses, they go, is this related? Like Wikipedia <laughs> itself does not know. <laughs> anyway, that came to mind after the person, after naming a baby goat after the Lilith of Fraser fame. Oh, so they named their baby goat after Lilith. the sitcom character. And then thought... Is this a demon? And then <laughs> that's thought, like full circle, you know, because no, it's true. Because then you have the scapegoat. I named my right? baby goat Adolf <laughs> after a fun character from a children's story, and then I thought, who are the other famous Adolfs? <laughs> Let me Google my goat and see if anybody else took this name. Finally, this is from Fall of Satan, our last episode. Okay. There was one comment on here that I collected, but we didn't talk about. I'm ready for it. I am in California. I am a targeted individual and gang stalked. I do not remember any of the past, but the Christians are killing me piece by piece with military-grade electromagnetic weapons. Whoa. I would watch this series. <laughs> First of all, Straight this is, I think, a Philip K. Dick story. Yeah. Because he talked a lot about, you know, his theory yeah, that yeah. the timeline stopped of... in 77 AD and that the Romans were still in charge and he was an early Christian that had been sent forward into the future and that he received... That all also checks out. Divine invasion, flooding his mind with the truth of the Gnostic religion, which was the actual only true Christianity. Anyway, Nathan Lumbo is keyed (laughs) in because he's being killed by high military grade electromagnetic weapons. Nathan. Yeah. Nathan, call your dad. Yeah. Um, I have some comments here, too. Uh, uh, If you look up any documentary with Lilith, they use a, a few very beautiful paintings okay. and they use them over and over because it's not a ton of iconography. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I saw, um, what's his name? Uh, Rossetti. Dante Gabriel Rossetti. Yeah, that's a good one. A, a stunning. Lilith. Yeah. They're all stunning, uh, which you would know if you scrolled onto the comments where every single comment is, she's hot. She's hot. <laughs> she's hot. We're discussing so, like, like Babylonian texts, Sumerian writings, the etymology of of, of, of the angels' names. And, and it says, Lilith, best waifu. <laughs> and, yeah, at the bottom it says, like, boobs. That's like... <laughs> and you know what? If that doesn't tell you why the right. Lilith story that, like, exists... That proves why the Lilith story exists. Like, that's it. God, I that's love... That's great. That's perfect. I love perfect. the internet for just being so obvious. <laughs> And obviously, this is the end of the program. Obviously. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having You've me. You've been an absolute delight. Where can people find you online if Stuff that's you what you plug. want? Um, if you wanted to find me, um, I mean, it definitely, I'll be- It doesn't matter the... what they want. It matters what you want. <laughs> I want you to find me. I will be in a tiny bowl buried beneath your home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, at, at Ryan Houlihan on Twitter and Instagram, spelled like the restaurant chain. Uh, and uh, you can find my, my podcast. Uh, it's called Tomorrow. It's from uh, a website called The Outline. And on there, we talk about how the media talks about itself, which is a lot more fun than it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's a, it's, a fun, it's a fun time. You can find us on Twitter at SunSchoolDrop. And you can also send us email to contact at SundaySchoolDropouts.lol. That's dot .lol, not dot .com. You can follow Lauren online on the Twitter machine thing. 
at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled like Shaquille does it. That's true. And Nico Bakulich is Nico's Twitter handle, N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H. Thank you to Elise Carlton for our logo and art, as always. And, of course, thank you to Nico for uh, editing and engineering all this shiz. We will be back in two weeks. Thank you to all those loyal droppers out there sunning the school from day till night. (laughs) Um, Yeah, cool. We'll see you on Sunday. Okay, bye. Bye.